Welcome to Monday through Friday, Cellular Agriculture for a Pandemic-Free Future. My name is George Ortega. This is episode number 25. It is Monday, August 10th, 2020 at 2.56 p.m. Eastern Time. And, um, you know, the, the more I do this show, the more I uh, appreciate that um, conveying some relevant information is important, but the real message, the real challenge that our world faces is um, dealing with the, the moral implications of, uh, of these uh, pandemics, preventing pandemics. So, so with that in mind, let's just briefly, hopefully um, go through what, what the challenge is, what the problem is, and then just go into the morality. So this coronavirus was very likely the result of wet market in Asia. But as history has shown, our farms in the United States and Mexico and Canada and throughout the world, especially our factory farms, are also um, dangerous sites where these pandemics originate. Uh, the 2009 swine flu pandemic uh, originated in a pig farm in Mexico. The Spanish flu of 1918 killed almost 100 million people, 50 to 100 million. Um, they believe originated in, in either a bird or a um, pig farm. So, So basically, the, because universal vaccines are in the distant, in the distance, um, a universal flu vaccine is perhaps 10 years out, but it wouldn't just be about a universal flu vaccine. It'd have to be a universal coronavirus vaccine, a universal, you know, there's Ebola, there's, there's different kinds of viral infections. That, that cause pandemics that we'd have to develop these vaccines for. And then there's the problem of antibiotic uh, biotic resistance by, by here in the United States using 80% of our antibiotics on animals in these farms, especially factory farms. You know, we're creating a situation where by 2050, 10 million people are expected to die every year because the antibiotics we have now will no longer be effective. So, so the idea is like that in order for us to be safe from future pandemics, um, we need to end the farming of animals, ideally, because, you know, we end factory farms, that'll take us maybe like, I don't know, 90, 90, 95% safe from these pandemics. If we end all farming of animals, we probably could reach 99 plus you know, a surety that, uh, that we won't have future pandemics. So that's, you know, and the last part of that message is like, the way that we can do this without all going vegan, with all st without stopping eating meat and fish and dairy, is to, um, to finance this new industry that begin began in 2013. Um, they create what's known as clean meat, cultured meat, cell-based meat, 
um, lab-grown meat. It's basically that you, you take a cell from an animal and, and then put it in a, a petri dish, a lab, and feed it some nutrients, and it grows just as like it was in the, the animal. You know, it gets tricked into believing it's still in the animal, and and we obtain our meat that way in a much healthier way for us all. So you know, less heart disease, less cancer. So that's the goal. Um, and you know, in order for us to have these products in supermarkets in let's say two or three years, like when we're kind of like past this pandemic, hopefully, you know, we, we may not be past this pandemic in two or three years, but let's um, take the optimistic scenario and, and say we, we are, we will be, then um, as we're emerging from this lockdown, this distancing economic shutdown, we could um, be very, very safe in, in, in um, you know, from future pandemics. All right, so, and the last part of this is uh, the Congressional Budget Office in May, before we had this, what people are calling the second wave, or this, you know, resurgence of, of uh, the virus in many parts of the United States. Uh, the, uh, the Congressional Budget Office predicted this coronavirus is gonna cost the United States alone, forget about the rest of the world, $8 trillion. So, so the last part of the appeal of this series is let's spend one half of 1% of what we'll be spending on this one to prevent future ones, to finance this new industry. Let's spend $50 billion. Let's not spend it next year or the year after. Let's spend it, you know, as soon as uh, Biden comes into office, you know, by, by February, March, this money should be released. <laughs> you. Uh, you release this money, you get many more researchers in the field. The researchers have much better resources to conduct their research. And that is our, um, that is uh, our best, you know, short-term, um, well, long-term also, you know, that, that's the holy grail. We do that and we really don't have to worry about pandemics. We end family farms, we act in factory farms. Um, so, and naturally this would have to be kind of like a Manhattan project. We would have to in include the whole world though, you know, just like with climate change, you know, the whole world has to be pretty much involved, at least, at least each region, you know, Asia, uh, Africa, Europe, United States, um, North America, South America. Well, the, the different regions have to be have to be part of the climate change solution to, to reduce greenhouse gases you know, as much as we can. It's the same thing with, with preventing pandemics. This, this transitioning from farming animals to cellular agriculture would have to happen across the world. All right, and that's a major challenge. I, I, but, but again, like this has devastated this country and imagine what it's doing to countries that are far less rich. So, um, all right, well that, you know, that is basically the, uh, where we stand. That's, you know, that's the choice before us. Do we, do we just do nothing because we're afraid of the livestock industry, because we're afraid to, you know, to rock the boat or whatever, or we do what's um, necessary. All right, so now let's get to the moral component. Um, 
I'm addressing the 80 to 90% of you here in the United States who believe in God or a higher power. You know, I'm imagining that, um, that many of you hold the understanding that when we as individuals and we as a community, as a collective, as a global population do good, we're rewarded, you know, and, and that this world is so amazing in so many ways. We have such abundant food, we have heating, air conditioning, we have so many blessings. This will inform you that uh, we have done a lot of good collectively and individually. And so when, when we do bad, you know, the, the understanding I think you have is that yes, God punishes us or, you know, um, the creator, however you want to define this, this you know, spiritual being that, that seems to enact um, justice. So let's, you know, if, if, we, if, we, if we consider this, because basically, because, you know, again, this is the 25th episode. For those of you who've watched fairly regularly, you're probably fairly um, familiar with the, with the information. You know, you, you get it by now. But... Um, but you're probably not talking about it much with people. Um, you know, what needs to be done isn't being done and not enough people are talking about it, you know? And so, um, so what, you know, from a moral perspective, these animals that, um, that are in the factory farms, especially over, over 70 billion land animals and about a trillion fish. And fish, you know, feel pain like, like land animals. You know, books have been written about this. Um, they suffer this pain because we afflicted on them indirectly. We basically pay people to torture them, to abuse them, to, you know, chickens are, are housed in these football field sized airplane hangers, um, tens of thousands of chickens, broiler chickens, for about seven weeks. And during that time, um, they're living in their urine and their feces because it's not cleaned up. And then the smell of ammonia is so strong that a person would have to have, have a mask on, you know, with goggles to, so, so that the ammonia wouldn't burn their eyes. And, it, it does burn the eyes of these birds. And these birds, you know, they're, they're de-beaked, you know, and, and their, their beaks have um, very sensitive nerve linings. You know, they're de-beaked so they don't peck each other in, in their agony and they're, you know, they become aggressive when they're so tortured. So I think it's, it's reasonable to suspect that this coronavirus and the next one, which will we have, we will have if, unless we do something, is happening, will happen as a punishment. You know, as a punishment. Um, we, um, we should know better. We should know better. We're, it's not like we're not, um, it's not like we're not, aware of morality, of, of what moral dictates, you know, the Bible commands us 
to be kind to animals. The it's fine. The, the Bible allows us to eat animals, but it does not allow us to torture animals or to pay others to torture animals. So, um, so this is, you know, this is a moral issue. And it may, you know, my, by my thinking, the way we treat these animals is more than reason enough for God to be afflicting us in this way. But it goes beyond that. I mean, like our world aborts as many lives each year, about 50 to 60 million, as die of every other cause of death combined. I'm, you know, I, I, that can't be, can't be right. That can't be good. You know, that can't be the, the ethical. Um, certainly in, in, in cases where the life of the mother is at risk, there are, um, there are certain circumstances where perhaps abortion is the, uh, the kind thing to do. But, um, so we, we may, this may be punishment for that also. This, this may also be punishment for our um, condemning our children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren to hell. You know, and it's, it's kind of like a literal um, expression in this case because, you know, the, the, the earth is warming and like by 2050 here in, in New York, it'll be as hot as it is in Florida regularly. And... Uh, you can imagine how hot it'll be in Florida. And, uh, you know, rising sea levels, you know, so many of our world cities are on coastlines and so many of those cities will no longer exist after, I, I don't know, 2050, 60, 70, you know, there will come a time where um, the waters will just like, you know, they go into the subway systems, for example, in New York City, rendering them un inoperable, unusable. These are just some of the, um, you know, many, many, you know, effects of, of climate change that, that threaten us. So, so yeah, let's, let's, let's consider that, you know, this may be a punishment for, for all these things, but, you know, let's now move back from, from morality to, um, to science, to naturalism. So, you know, let's hope. Let's hope that, that we're being punished with this coronavirus, not because of climate change, not because of abortion, not because we keep almost a billion people in poverty when we could easily lift them out of that poverty. Let's just say that it's because we are paying people to abuse and torture over 70 billion land animals and over a trillion fish every year so we can buy you know our meat and fish and dairy and eggs less expensively okay let's say that's our sin so um sometimes you know sometimes a person will commit a sin people will commit a sin and it's bad enough and then they make it worse. For example, they try to cover it up. They lie about it. They, uh, you know, commit other sins so they're not caught of, for the original sin. Um, so it could be, it could be that on top of um, abusing all these animals, our collective sin may be that, well, you know, we're just, be we're being called upon 
to spend one half of 1% of what we're, we'll be spending to deal with this one in, in, in financial terms. We're not even talking about the, the uh, loss of life, you know, jobs, uh, so much, you know, so many other damages we're, we're suffering, just financially, you know, we're called upon to spend one half of 1% of what we'll be spending on this one to prevent, to give us an amazingly good chance of preventing future pandemics. And we're saying no, we're being indifferent, we're not paying attention, we're not, we're not investigating it. You know, we're, we're, you know, that, I mean, if that's the case, God may not allow us to, 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 um, to emerge from this coronavirus for a year or two or three or four or five. You know, this can go on and on. You know, some of the um, HIV has been killing millions of people for since the 80s. You know, it's, it's what happens is like these epidemics when they um, when they are worldwide, then they they graduate to being pandemics. And if no vaccine is ever found, as is the case with many, probably most of them, yeah, most of them, I would think. Uh, then they become endemic, meaning that we, we, we um, experience them year after year after year. Now, granted, in, in, a, in, a, in a milder way, but, you know, the, the flu here in the United States, you know, kills, um, kills a lot of people every year. Um, 20, 40, 60,000. It doesn't kill as many as the 160,000 we've already lost to coronavirus, but you know, it does disrupt a lot of lives, kill a lot of people. So, all right, about 10 minutes left. Our politicians are corrupt. Here's one example of corruption. If, if you run for Congress, House of Representatives, it's a two-year position. You have to re-run for re-election every two years. Let's say you run, and the salary is, I think, over $100,000, maybe 120000 I don't know. But if you run for office, you win. You know, you serve two years, you fail to get reelected. Let's say you're a horrible congressperson, yeah? Your constituents vote you out of office, boot you out. Well, you know, the way our politicians have designed the pension plans for former con Congress people, former Congress people is like, they get 100% of that salary as a pension for the rest of their lives. All right, that's, that's one example of, of the corrupt nature of, of our American politics. Um, just the fact that we're not doing anything about climate change, that we're not, we're not doing anything about these pandemics, we're not doing anything about a lot that needs to be um, taken care of. We'll show you that there are politicians who are beholden to themselves, you know, to their own reelection efforts, and beholden to the people who finance their campaigns, the, the contributors, the corporations, the rich people who uh, who aren't doing it for, for our benefit, they're doing it for theirs so they can make more money or whatever. So if we, if we start with the um, understanding that our, our politicians aren't going to um, promote this moral argument, then, then we're left what, the media? All right, um, this is the 25th episode. Um, I know from future shows that I've done, shows on happiness, free will, I know this, this show has a bit of reach. It's just because, um, 
here in Westchester, you have a lot of people who live here, work in the city, and, um, and the show goes out to other communities. So, you know, I know in the past, it hasn't had major reach, but it's had at least enough reach in the past to get conversations started. Um, there are occasional um, media articles by, you know, very few by the mainstream media, very few by New York Times, uh, if any, actually, uh, Washington Post, that, that make the link between, I mean, it's a, three, it's a three connection link, link between these pandemics and our factory farming and the understanding that if we end factory farming, if we finance this cellular agriculture, we have an amazingly good job um, chance of being free of these pandemics in the future. So again, the, the media is not promoting this because the media is kind of corrupt also. I mean, they're, you know, rich people own the media, you know, they're afraid, well, you know, maybe they're afraid that their taxes will go up if, if you know, if we have to fund this. It's only $60 billion, again, compared to the $8 trillion we're spending, it's nothing, but, uh, you know. So anyway, so like, so who, who is, who is the, uh, what, what institution do we have that's, that, that we can count on most or best to uh, deliver this message? Uh, if we go back to history, we, we understand that the abolitionist movement here in the United States was started in Pennsylvania by a group of Quakers, a small group of people. I think there were like a dozen of them initially. And, um, and then it spread, you know, it, 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 was, it, it became a moral or religious issue, or, you know, just that, that God does not condone, fine, God may have condoned, condoned slavery in the past, but this, this American strain of slavery was unbelievably harsh and cruel. And, um, and so the Quakers took it upon themselves to get the message out. And uh, that led to the abolitionist movement expanding throughout the rest of the um, country and it led to the Civil War and to the Emancipation Proclamation. And so they did that, you know, it was a small group of religious people. So I think that that teaches us that um, not only I think are our religious institutions the only group of people we have that, that, that are concerned enough with morality to, uh, to address this, but I think they represent our best chance, um, perhaps our only chance. Uh, um, and, and so that, you know, so let's say, yeah, the, um, our churches, synagogues, mosques, temples, you know, they represent our best chance. So like, you know, and, and so basically this, this requires a certain amount of courage, courage by the religious leaders, you know, unfortunately here in the United States, probably throughout the world, you know, religious, our religious leaders are generally connected to congregations. You know, they lead congregations. And, um, and I say it's unfortunate because that relationship constrains what they can say. In other words, like if they, if they offend the sensibilities of their congregation too deeply, if, if, they're, if they're promoting these 
these ideals, the, these goals that the uh, congregation is not in line with, well, they, they run the risk of being, you know, asked to leave, you know, that the congregation will just choose a, a cleric who is more in line with how they think. Uh, on the other hand, you know, if these clerics um, don't summon up the moral courage, the moral intelligence to attempt to confront their congregations about this, what purpose do they serve? You know, aiding and abetting a congregation, a group of people who believe themselves to be good people and are in certain ways, but really, on, on balance, are really cruel. I mean, you can't, you know, if you're buying meat and fish and dairy, and let me tell you right now, unless you're paying four times the price as the average price you see, you know, uh, sold in supermarkets, you're, you're, you're buying meat and fish and dairy and eggs that, you know, wherein the, the animals have been subjected to horrible abuse and cruelty. So, you know, if you're a part of a congregation and, 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 and it's not that, you, you know, it's not, you, you can't just buy organic, you have to buy, you know, cruelty free and it has to be on the label, you know, explicitly. So if you're not doing that again, you're, you're you know, you may think you're a good person, you know, but, um, but God is the ultimate judge, right? And it seems, you know, we can only guess, but it seems that um, God is not judging us you, to, um, to be all that good. So, um, all right, well, again, after 25 episodes, um, it's dawned on me that the information is important, but this is a moral issue, primarily, fundamentally. It's, it's um, and, you know, let me just like briefly say, I've gone over it in, in other shows, but, you know, it's not that I'm blaming you. I don't believe in free will. You know, our top scientific minds Freud, Einstein, uh, Darwin, Newton, all understood that we don't have a free will. It's not really our fault that we're so evil, but, you know, so it's not about blame, but it's about consequences. Fine, it may not be fundamentally our fault, but, you know, when we're compelled by God or nature to do good, and it does, may not seem fair, but, you know, what can I tell you? Uh, when we do good, we're rewarded. When we don't, we're punished. So that's the world we live in. That's, that's what we have to accept. So, so again, um, it is a moral issue. I mean, watch some, you know, watch, go to YouTube, you know, just Google animal cruelty, go to Netflix or, or Amazon. There are documentaries on how these animals are treated. One by Alec Baldwin lasts about 12 minutes called Meet Your Meat, M-E-E-T, your M-E-A-T. You know, it should tell you everything. So, all right, less than a minute left. You know, watch this every Monday through Friday, 5 p.m. on Channel 76. If you get Optimum, 45, you get Verizon, White Plains Community Media. Episodes are also on YouTube. And God willing, I will continue to do this series until people wake up, until people finally get it. Maybe I'll, you know, I've been trying to, like, deliver this message not as a threat, as I understand, you know, I've been doing mostly, but as a promise that we can create a much, much better world, just as God is punishing us for the evil we're doing, if we you know, spend this $50 billion, stop 
abusing these animals, God will probably reward us in, in many ways, including perhaps allowing us to, uh, to deal with climate change. All right, well, I hope you're having a good Tuesday, and I will see you again next um, episode, God willing. Thanks.